Hello and welcome back to Rebel Air, a Star Wars animated series fan cast. I'm your host, Greg. And I'm Kaki. And Greg is showing me Star Wars Rebels. Specifically, Season 1, Episode 4, Rise of the Old Masters, written by Henry Gilroy and directed by Stuart Lee. Okay, so the last one was by Stephen G. Lee, and the, the, he and, and Stuart did the first two episodes together, and now he's flying. Now Stuart is flying solo. I wonder if he's doing the uh, ridiculous uh, flying solo dance from the <laughs> Connect game. They took like the Jason Derulo song, Going Solo, and then made it I'm Han Solo, and it's... Oh, okay. See, the great thing kind about of terrible. there is only a, like a thirteen-year age gap between us, but culturally, that is kind of enormous. I'm noticing there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, well, I don't know if I would call that cool. <laughs> well, the like the last cool like Star Wars thing that I think I consumed was the Boba Fett rap clip by MC. Oh, what, MC what were they called? MC Chris. Yeah, my backpack got jets. Yep. <laughs> If, Which, if I stopped and thought about it, I could probably say most of the words to that. I listened to that a lot once I discovered it. It was like, okay, I'm going to just take, take whatever Rick this is. And Today we're uh, we're discussing, oh, what was it called again? Uh, Rise of the, Rise Old, of the Masters. Old Masters. Yes. Oh, now, they've done a really good job sort of teasing what's going to happen with the, with the titles. Like, you barely mm -hmm. need a synopsis just to know what you're going to look forward to. Uh, uh, droids in Distress, Fighter, Flight... And now rise the old master. Woof. We open up with we open up with Ezra doing handstands with his eyes closed. You know, it's Yes. I was very proud of myself. The that classic like the, Jedi learning. Yes. When we had the close up on his face, I already knew oh he's upside down. Because you've got the uplighting <laughs> from underside the nose, and that doesn't uh, uh yeah, and he looks strained. Uh I thought maybe he had some KFC yesterday, can relate to that, but uh, no, he's doing uh, he's doing like a hardcore OSHA violation here. Um, yeah, which just, just a little. <laughs> everyone gets in on. So the ghost is flying through these gorgeous clouds. They're probably over Lothal, which they seem to always be. Like, it seems like they're just hovering. But, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's even so wind, temperature stuff. Yeah, they, they're pretty solidly based out of Lothal for the moment. It, it's outer rim, but it's close to like hyperspace lanes i'd imagine um, yeah they speak more basic than Huttese. yeah yeah and so we see kanan just really just trying to be master yoda basically like he's just saying what he knows which yeah more, doesn't exactly more work. discipline and focus and do or do not do or do not there is no try and none of it is really helping ezra at all because kanan actually doesn't completely understand it either Actually, that one always confused me, too, but Master Yoda sure used to say it a lot. <laughs> I really, really <laughs> like this, that Ezra throws it back. Do or do not, what does that mean? How can I do something without trying? And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I don't really know, but uh, <laughs> Master Yoda sure good. said it a lot. <laughs> so it was probably something. Oh, it was something that I, that I really kind of appreciated about this episode, and I appreciate that it was telegraphed so early on. This is not about Ezra finding his confidence. This is about mm -hmm. Kanan finding his confidence. And having done like teaching and, and mentoring and guiding before, also like I'm an older brother, um, I sort of recognize that that when you when you have this teacher role, it is fraught with insecurity. All of their failures are yours. And their inability to uh, to master any skill is frustrating for them and and doubly punishing for you. So I I really felt where where Kanan was coming from, 
Yeah. The show is fantastic. You said some things in episode one when we were first recording, and I was just like, oh, there's so much that Kaki's going to enjoy. There's so much he's going to get keyed into. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you you recommended that I watch this and that you went to the extreme lengths of ensuring that I did by creating this show where I'm now... (laughs) <laughs> I am now hitched to the the oasis of Star Wars Rebels. Okay, so this is a great scene. It re- it really is, and and you see a little bit of the ch- you also see a little bit of the change immediately from Zeb and, and Ezra's relationship, like previously, because they're already on better terms. They're already Zeb's like bullying him a little bit, but it still seems like pretty good natured. Yeah. Uh- and I appreciated that they have snapped back to their their usual roles, like uh, Zeb. You know, he's he's undermining, he's he's mocking, he's uh, uh, he's he's annoying, he's bored. That's part of his personality. He does that with people he likes as well. And yeah. Same with Ezra. Like they're teenagers, they're they're thoughtless. They're very much like brothers in that way. Like they're like because th- there does seem to be like that that respect more so in this one than than in the previous one. I would say. I think so. They've struggled to like find out where each of them stand. They know that a lot better now, but that doesn't mean that they're constantly nice to each other. I have I have something that I say that I say to friends and, and family a good bit, which is look, if I don't tease you, I probably don't love you. Like that is like how I show love. But it is also like, you know, understanding where it is okay to tease. Like I'm pretty sure if Ezra said something about like, oh, well, if there are more like Lasats around, like maybe no no no. It's like Right, okay. Ooh. Yeah, that's- like seeing where the line is and knowing like, okay, like Hey. Boundaries, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, which is is kind of what Kanan is trying to push with these two here. I mean, Ezra points out like it's really hard to focus and concentrate with uh, uh, with Chopper and with uh, uh, with Zeb annoying me. And Kanan's like, he's annoying, but there will always be distractions. You need to learn to focus through them. While again, a fifteen year old child is doing a handstand. On a like a gun turret, a gun turret, <laughs> which which Zeb walks over in the line of the barrel and grabs the barrel and gives it a wiggle. That's <laughs> extremely unsafe. I mean, I noticed this throughout. There is very poor like weapon discipline. Oh yeah, now here's a great idea of Kanan's. I'm going to give this kid a lightsaber and just hand it to him. Which do you notice that when when Ezra's like trying to figure out where the control is? He has it pointed at Kanan's head, and Kanan's cool with it. Like, fingers on triggers. Well, there, there, there's two things I really did appreciate about the lightsaber is, one, I love that Kanan's lightsaber, like, it comes apart. It has, like, the two pieces that he puts on, like, different parts of his belt, and it kind of disguises sort yes, of what it is. Yes, it's to conceal the, the, the purpose. I love that a ton. Yeah. That's, that, that's just, like, really great. The other thing that I love, because I read all of, like, the books that's like, oh, here's, like, all these like cutouts of the of these spaceships here's like all these like the technology for star wars here's all the aliens for star wars like all that stuff and and one of the things that they always said was oh here's a little switch where you can adjust the length of your lightsaber that they've never touched they've never done anything with but it's in like countless books that i read as a little kid and then i finally see this i'm like there's a control on the side that adjusts the length to your height it's real it's real. it's happening. It's happening. Yes, because Ezra needs to adjust it for his body height, as a sword should be. Yeah, because it's because he's holding the equivalent of of a claymore. It's it's hilariously too tall for. Okay, I understand that you want a certain length of sword in order to be able to perform certain forms. You have to hold your arm at a certain angle, and you don't want to, uh, the sword to touch the ground at that point. Okay, so that needs to be matched to the wielder. But having the ability to extend it like a pike 
for additional reach is incredibly useful, right? If you can point it forward and suddenly double your range, you're doing a whole different type of, of, of sword fighting now. Why don't they do this all the time? This is Star Trek nerdery, by the way. Like, if I was a Doctor Who nerd, I would be much more forgiving. Why do they do this all the time? Eh, they forgot. But in Star Trek, yeah, no, they do that in Star Trek as well. So extrapolating a little bit based on, like... Oh my god, he's really gonna do it. Some of, some of, my, some of my theories, I believe that, like, changing the length, it does, like, affect the, the power matrix for it. And I know that, like, part of why Kylo's... Now, ladies and gentlemen, here we I know see the part Star of why, Wars nerd in his natural element. If I remember correctly, part of why Kylo's, like, uh, cross-hilt, I think it makes it a little bit unstable as well. Like, the more you ad- the more you, you play with that it... That was a it, cracked it, crystal, and it needed the side vents in order to not overload all the time. Oh, crap, that's right. Okay, so you... you nice no, try! No. Who's the master now? My instinct, because I have a squirt bottle right here for my cat, is just to like spray you. But that's just going to spray my computer <laughs> screen. Work so it's just going to affect me. <laughs> okay. Well. So now that he has a lightsaber, Chopper is throwing what looked like milk cartons. Yes, I um, had that written down. Milk cartons, and a lot of them. They have a huge crate full of milk cartons. But they're Ezra's a growing boy. He needs to drink his milk. Drink, drink milk, kids. <laughs> yes. Unless you're lactose intolerant. In this As- case, uh, get some lactate and then drink your milk. But, like, they seem to be full bottles because they are making a lot of impact. And, gosh, he's taking a lot of them. Like, Chopper is like one of those baseball-throwing machines. Yep, yep, I was just thinking just that. Just <laughs> spinning around in place, and, and Zeb is having fun with them, just supplying him with the uh, with the ammunition. They make just, a good team. At, at one point, he's just, like, he has the box, like, held upside down. And held he's, like, up shaking and it in. <laughs> Props to Ezra for, for taking it like a good sport and just taking them all on the chin. I think he gets two hits in at one point. Yeah, yeah, and then they all just, like, hit him until he falls off the ship, but not before hitting the dome and trying to flirt yeah, with he's... Sabine during this. Like, I have this, I have this written in my yeah. notes. Now's the perfect time to flirt. <laughs> yeah. So he's spread-eagled on the windshield, sliding down to his doom. He sees Sabine there, and he, he makes how you do in eyes at her, and then plummets <laughs> to his death. I mean, like, shoot your shot or whatever, but is that really, like, the best time for this? So he's falling to his doom, uh, flash the title, and then he gets caught. And you see this, like, nice little moment of, like, the clouds all, like, drifting past him. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Oh, it's 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 so nice. And you hear a little bit of, um, I believe it was, like, Bespin music, which... Uh, that's what it was. Yes, I had it written down as well. I was going to ask you. That mm-hmm. sounds, yeah, Cloud City. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it fits. And, it's very and, evocative and, of that. And and Kane's uh, uh, using the force to pull him up. Um, I mean, there was one little second where Ezra's just sort of amazed and, am I doing this? <laughs> like, it was really cool, brief moment. Caden's uh, uh, trying to, uh, to lift him up. Also, again, one of those things, why don't they do this all the time? Mm, but... Yeah, yeah. It seems to I, be very difficult as well because he, he can't quite make it all the way up. Fortunately, Zeb's out. Uh, he's extended the loading ramp and he's reaching out. No handholds on the inside, I noticed. Yeah, that is like super not safe. Like there's not even like on those passenger planes type stuff. A lot of times there are like tracks that you could even hold onto on the floor. And yeah, you don't yeah. even see that here. It's just like flat. I, Still. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, <laughs> this will be a recurring segment where we do an OSHA review of uh, uh, of the ghost of various <laughs> spaceships. I mean, well done on the hazard tape. Good job. You've alerted everyone to some of the dangers that there are. But 
He's pulled back inside reluctantly. Um, oh, Zeb had some comments throughout this that, that I thought were quite mean-spirited. One of them was about how he uh, expected Jedi training to be more interesting. And then, uh, yawning. No wonder the old religion died. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, like, yeah. That's Zeb a, is... No wonder Zeb's your species just... is extinct joke, Zeb. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's really just going, like, a hardcore bully here because he mentions that the lightsaber should be a little bit shorter. He mentions... Uh, in a little bit later, Kanan saying, you're unfocused and undisciplined and you're difficult yeah. to train. And Zeb just looks at him and says, he means it's difficult to teach you. Dude, come on. Like, that's... You know, well, that is a level of, of honesty that you kind of do expect from your, your peers and your siblings. I had that written down as well. To me, it kind of came from a place of respect uh, for Zeb. That is, it's not exactly, it's more on the tough side of tough love. But yeah. I, I don't I, know I that think, he would have said it. He would have said this if he didn't have base respect for Ezra. I think it does end up being a little more misreading what Kanan was saying and misreading Kanan more so than than that because because a lot of what Kanan is is feeling um, really does seem to be more about like him and his failures. Oh, but, oh, I agree. But, but, but this, Zeb I, th get I it. feel like, yeah, I feel like this is the seed that plants the doubt in. Ezra's mind that Kane wants to get rid of me because in the next scene we have Sabine looking at an Imperial broadcast talking about the TIE fighter that they stole last episode. A uh, nice yeah. little bit of just continued continuity. I like um, that a lot. Oh, for sure. And oh, well, this TIE fighter was used to destroy it. And Zeb's describing that. You liar. We set him free. They're just hate watching Space Fox news at this point. <laughs> But it is interrupted by by Senator Gal Travis, who is the voice of freedom and resistance and and a rebel within the Imperial Senate, really. He's doing these like secretive broadcasts to the outer rim. Yeah. So the holographic Fox and Friends is replaced with this <laughs> floating like it's a drawing. Like it's an mm -hmm. actual drawing of a person. Looks like a human man. He sort of reminded me of uh, uh, later year Raul Julia Gomez from the live action uh, yep. Adams Family films with a with a little pencil mustache. He's got good solid eyebrows. I like that in a man. Receding hairline. Yeah, such as such as life. Fantastic jacket. Oh yes. Speaking of jacket, can we just take a quick aside? Does Ezra have a new jacket, or did I just not notice the the sort of phoenix symbol that he has on the back? So it is the same same jacket. However, we don't see his back very often, but I did double check and in Droids in Distress, you do see him with that symbol on his back um, when they're in the spaceport. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, th I thought maybe like Sabine was tagging his clothes as well because I think Kanan has a has a symbol on his shoulder as well. Uh, I, I paid mm -hmm. some more attention to the uh, uh, drawings that I see everywhere. You see some sort of tr some patterning on uh, Zeb's shoulder. I noticed on Sabine that she has a, a wolf on one of her pauldrons, uh, a checkerboard on the other side, and uh, yeah, a sort of phoenix-like symbol on the, on the left side of the breastplate. Yeah, I was wondering that myself if Sabine did tag Ezra's jacket or, or yeah. something like that, which which may have happened between the the premiere and uh, episode three. I like to think that maybe this is Arabesh for like kick me. <laughs> still hasn't noticed. <laughs> yes. So in the transmission, uh, Gal Travis is announcing that Jedi Master Luminara Unduli is still alive and she's being held prisoner at the Spire on Stygian Prime. 
Yeah, we see an image of a green-skinned woman with uh, uh, with some kind of skull cap. If we just saw a close-up of her eyes, I'd have thought Twi'lek, but that's not the case. She doesn't have her leku. Hey, I pay attention when you teach me something. She does have a sort of a line on her chin, a marking from the lower lip down. That is uh, tattooing. So I don't, I don't immediately recognize this. Uh, uh, she did appear in the prequels. Uh, she had this very kind of. Ladies and gentlemen, once again. <laughs> she, it was, it was almost, it was, it was this like kind of uh, very severe like headdress kind of a thing that came down in this kind of squarish curtain thing. Oh, wait, um, I know who you're talking about. Yes, yes. I, yes. I'm... She and her Padawan, uh, Barris Afi, <clears throat> remembering my names. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they both appear in some very fantastic Clone Wars episodes as well. It's just a nice little bit of through line of like, I got to see you like fleshed out so much more than just yeah. like showing up in the background of Attack of the Clones or whatever. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I mean, they're not as fleshed out this time around, as we later find out. But Kanan is very enthusiastic about uh, seeing that Master Luminara is alive, aside from the fact that another Jedi has survived Order 66. Because uh, he immediately tries to abandon his role as master. He's immediately just like, in fact, she'd make an excellent teacher for you. Yeah. yeah, just because Hera's asking him, oh, did you ever meet her? And he's saying once, like very briefly, she's disciplined. She's very, she's very formidable. She'd make an excellent teacher for you, Ezra. And it's like, she can do a better job than I can. Oh, yeah. God. At least now I don't have to fail anymore. He's just, I mean, his, his pain is written all over his face. And it really is a little like we were talking about uh, previously with, with Zeb of Kanan just is not very attuned to other people's emotions sometimes. Yeah. And I think that even goes for Hera in this case, because Hera doesn't clock in that this is this is happening. She's too focused on the larger overriding emotion that, that Kanan is experiencing, like seeing a fellow uh, a Jedi alive, mm -hmm. what is so big, it fills the room because it's so momentous and so significant for not just Kanan, but for the, the, the galaxy at large, mm -hmm. uh, that there's just no space for a boy's abandonment. And rejection, yeah. 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 So cutting to the next scene, we do see the we do see the ghost uh, flying through hyperspace before we're in the cockpit, and Chopper is displaying a hologram of the spire at Stygian Prime, and uh, Sabine is is giving the full rundown of everything. And yeah, she's doing the PowerPoint presentation for a t welcome to today's heist. As you can see in the notes for today's meeting, welcome to the spire on Stygian Prime. Uh, we're dealing with a with a gigantic spire. It is impregnable. Kanan says, "Well, that's never been a problem before," and Sabine shuts him down <laughs> trust me we have never faced anything like this it's impregnable does that mean it had an iud i'm moving on this isn't a game of thrones podcast then we then we'd have lots and lots of fun with that um, it's it's in my notes <laughs> i wanted to say it <laughs> <laughs> well okay then i'll have to then i'll have to quote whatever his name is uh, sandor clegane uh <laughs> give me 40 good men and some ropes and i'll impregnate the <laughs> <laughs> have fun editing that into our PG-13 podcast, Greg. Great hosting. We have a heist on our hands, which yes. is always fun. Heist movies and just high stuff is... Oh, I'm about I love it. it. I love it. I'm about it. And it's a great fit for them. They're this, this misfit crew. Like, that is, that is one of, like... I feel now my greatest disappointments in, in Star Wars is that the original films never 
did this. You totally want the the cool sort of 60s drum kit underlining the uh, the soundtrack mm-hmm. as you're prepping your heist. Um, everybody comes with some suggestions that uh, uh, that Sabine illustrates. Like, no, we can't do we can't do that. I mean, Ezra cooked that in stride. I like that. I, I, Ezra like pointed out a, a possible vector for approach, and uh, Sabine pointed out that Mm-mm. platform has a heavy trooper presence and reinforced blast doors. Impossible to get in or out that way. Kanan points out where they are going to go. He just picks a, a, a halfway up the spire, picks a spot there that there's not enough room for a lot of guards there, and then we'll move up and then we'll uh, we'll do that. Sabine goes, "That's yeah, you'd have to be crazy to try that lousy plan." Let's hope the Empire thinks so too. Wow, that is not. Hey, Kanan, that's not how you make plans. It, <laughs> like, if we don't know what we're doing, the enemy won't know what we're doing. Is not good military doctrine. He's never been a military person, though. He's he's like they've been successful because they've been kind of crazy and unpredictable. And they've been going for these these very out there like strategies sometimes. Yeah, and not particularly like high stakes. No, that's not true. They, they went after the Wookies. Like beyond that, they've mostly like what have they done so far? They've they've stolen fruit. They've uh they've messed up a date basically with the the droid dance fight. There was, I mean, you can you can describe a, a illegal arms deal as a date between two people who maybe well, can't communicate so well. well I mean, they're trying to come to um, no. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> dating was different in my time, son. Uh, <laughs> you you. I've just broken him. I, I'm sorry. It usually happens much later in the episode that I leave you in in, in a puddle of exasperation, just spiraling, spiraling, know. spiraling in despair. Why, Kaki? Why are you like this? But it's it's coming earlier than usual. I'm sorry about that, Greg. I'll try and restrain myself. I just I can't. I don't have a good comeback to you uh, becoming a notorious arms dealer uh. slash romantic. I'm pretty sure that's a movie that exists. <laughs> Okay, well, in the meantime, our heroes, I mean, they're leaning on a lot of different uh, uh, cinematic, I won't say tropes, tropes sounds derogatory, but I mean, there's a lot of glorious cinematic antecedents to what we're seeing here. Okay, so a, a smaller craft splits off from the ghost. It has a shuttle. This is the first time that I'm seeing this. Yes, so this is the first appearance of uh, Phantom One is what it's called. I don't believe you hear it here, but... Uh... No, that doesn't sound familiar. Really, really quickly, like a step before this, when they're when they drop out of hyperspace um, and they're going towards the planet, the ghost like rotates and it's just this really cool looking shot. It, it's just really oh, cool yeah. to see like orient itself as if okay, hey, we're approaching from the wrong direction. We need to like make sure that we're like they're reorienting their, themselves to the planet, to the local solar system's uh, plane and, of orientation. And it's just it's just like that little detail, just like. It's just very cool looking at the end of the day. Well, I mean, you know, it, it makes sense to orient yourself to the local magnetosphere, get mm-hmm. your north and south correct, that you're, uh, uh, that, the, that the planet lines up with the, the coordinates of your mapping system. I get it. Although, no, it's not in the uh, uh, plane of orientation because the moons aren't aligned. They're also really close to the planet, it looks like. That, again, <laughs> intergalactic Could- OSHA violation. I, I mean, it could just be a, pers- a little bit of perspective thing there. That's true. But- so we do see the Phantom One detach from the ghost and Chopper's left up there alone, which feels like the worst person to leave up there um, <laughs> personally. I don't know yeah. if I would trust the little uh, spindly arm miscreant alone in the ship. No, the Hera's there. Uh, oh, no, you're right. 
it is just Hera's in in. Oh my god, what's he Hera- gonna do? So, well, well, now that I think about it, the ghost is Hera's, and Chopper is Hera's. So I think he's he knows not to destroy the ship, but I think. S- Sabine and Zeb yeah. and Ezra all need to make sure they lock their doors. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you. Okay, what was it? You have the the wolf, the goat, and the cabbage. You have the ghost, Hera, Chopper. Wow, we're going to need some some three dimensional <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets to solve this. This dropship, the Phantom One, is pretty cool. It's kind of reminiscent of the imperial shuttles because it does like have like little wings that fold out a little the, bit the downward facing deltas yeah i i sort of correlated it to the, uh, the viper fighters from battlestar galactica they also have the the three fins <laughs> but just missing the top fin. i can see that i can see that yeah for sure because it's got nice like aggressive lines it's a go fast vehicle probably doesn't have a hyperdrive of its own you know what this is this is like the captain's yacht that we always like heard about and saw <laughs> yes. in like diagnostic manuals for like the enterprise and voyager for star trek which we finally got to see in star trek insurrection yes where the Cousteau yes. was detached from yes. the uh, uh, enterprise so, so that's, what, the, that's what this reminds me of except yeah, because it's built into the craft as well yeah that's great it, it, it is except whereas like star trek is all like they've got the nice like l cars display and it's very nice looking this still has like the 1970s like lo-fi sci-fi is like what i've what i've heard it referred to as that i just absolutely love just like the the look of the the control panel is just like it's very like i look at it's like that star wars that is star wars to me right it's well this is one of the reasons why star wars has held up so well and actually Mm -hmm. made the comment on uh, uh, about farscape the other podcast that i do as well because it's not futuristic, it's not dated. This goes for the controls. In Farscape, they do that as well. Like, their incredibly complicated controls are just a bunch of colored lights with no display or whatever, <laughs> a very fuzzy hologram that you just have, okay, we just have to imagine that the characters are seeing something useful here. Same with uh, with here, completely unlabeled controls that just have big, bright colors on them. But yeah, that it's not futuristic, so it's not dated. They're on their way down. Zeb is explaining to Chop that he can't come along by talking into his, what looks like a, I thought it was his vape pen, but it's his communicator that for some reason is <laughs> exactly said, I, I, that's kind of convenient. They're approaching the uh, uh, the spire, and this is where my dream came true. There's a, there's a, like, a 60s heist, there's new music cue here. And it's got yes. uh, it's got a cool like jazz rock drum beat under it. It's, uh, da, da. it's super Mission Impossible. I absolutely adored it. Oh. It's 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 fantastic. Kevin Kinner was the composer for both Clone Wars and Rebels, so he's really good at like introducing new stuff, but also reusing the old stuff. And how can we do it in 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 nice ways? So this is this is really fantastic to hear. I was so exciting as they're approaching this uh, uh, this spire. The mission is about to be executed. Kanan does the the Captain America jump out of the jump out of the back. Yes, yes. Does some sweet is. Krav Maga. He just he's he is very good at just disarming them. Just like it was I mean, almost. He did call himself an arms redistributor. So, <laughs> well, he he was the way he was hitting it was very precise. Like, like it was almost like he was like going after specific pressure points or the the, the Ayurveda of their armor exactly yeah, finding the yeah. uh, uh, the gaps and the and the and the underarm and this is where stormtroopers are most ticklish and you can intensify <laughs> them by a quick chop under the chin they like that where is their armor lightest I don't know where do they have no armor where is it just like black jumpsuits that 
skin tight and everything. I wonder if that's where the armor's lightest. <laughs> and also, who cares about this armor anyway? Because you can... An Ewok can knock a Stormtrooper on the helmet with a stick and they'll go down. So, like, they're just... I don't know, they're just primed for concussions, I guess. Kid, wait, what are you doing? So, uh, in violation of the plan, Ezra seizes an opportunity to try and impress Kanan. By, by doing exactly what Kanan does, he makes this, this crazy jump, which everyone yeah. tries to stop him from doing. I do think that part of why Ezra joined is because he does see, maybe not like a father figure in Kanan, but but a mentor in Kanan. He, he wants to be like Kanan because Kanan does, like, Kanan is pretty cool. He's kind of got that a little bit of that Han Solo vibe to him. Except he has a lightsaber as well. So he's, he's kind of like this like mixture Best of, of both of, worlds, you're saying. Yeah, 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 a little bit. I mean, sounding flippant now, but like my reading so far, and I know my reading is much more innocent than yours. This is the fifth episode that I've uh, that I've seen. But yes, that father role, that is very explicit. I mean, we see that at the end. I'm going to reference that uh, in the final scene as well. But Ezra has... Like this is something that he hasn't gotten yet. So he's mm -hmm. gotten he's gotten a, a maternal role that he can project onto Hera, uh, a, a sibling role that he can project onto uh, uh, onto Zeb, and to a lesser degree Sabine, who is less accessible, so, uh, an older sister who's doing her own thing and is not accessible to her younger siblings. Um, and Kanan I don't is, know that I would ever flirt with my sister. Um. No, but well, yes. <laughs> I mean, but you're not a main character in Star Wars property, no. so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, as is I walked tradition. into that one. I walked into that one. <laughs> but Kanan has been withholding. Mm -hmm. uh, Kanan is is emotionally uh, uh, withholding. Is Ezra is not getting the confidence and approval that he badly needs from mm -hmm. uh, oh, from sure. an adult male figure in his uh, in his life. And so, like, I think that's why. He, I think you're right. That's why he's meeting Kanan where he thinks that Kanan is at by doing as he does and hoping to impress him. And he misses the mark, quite literally, like he overshoots the uh, the landing platform and bangs into the door. Nice and quiet, like. <laughs> Once Bringing again. out two more stormtroopers. Fool of a took. Yes, yes. Your, your comparison to Pippin from The Lord of the Rings. Exactly. And he brought out more stormtroopers, which Kane dispatches of two pretty quickly, uh, just for shoving them off the rails to their uh, screaming deaths. Once again, uh, why didn't you do that all the time? Just do it again. Just do it again. <laughs> I know it'll probably be boring for a cartoon. Just see him walking through there. Hey, it, it, works, in the, it works in the games. Just force right? pushing people off the ledges like... Gra let gravity kill you. You Bye. go to your doom, and you go to your doom, and you go to your doom. Yeah, and uh, Zeb and Sabine uh, jump onto the platform, and they take care of two. Um, also sweet Krav Maga. And then when they're all taken care of, before they're even all taken care of, Kanan is already chastising Ezra for being so reckless. Ezra says, well, I was just trying to do what you do. And Kanan, like, admonishes him to know you should have focused on, uh, on the plan. While Zeb is sort of weakened at burning two of the guards and propping them <laughs> yes. up. Yes, yes. <laughs> on I... either side of the door. But I, I was thinking about it because... I kind of understand where Kanan's coming from in like the mindset of, you know, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. But yeah. again, he's not approaching it that way. He's not recognizing that Ezra resembles him to a great degree. Ezra, obviously he does, but Kanan doesn't appreciate those qualities about himself or he doesn't acknowledge them. No, wait, that's not true either. Like he's quite comfortable jumping in. He's quite comfortable being reckless himself. But so what is it? Does he think that he's earned it and Ezra hasn't? 
Or he thinks that Ezra uh, is too young and is going to hurt himself. And he's more worried about like the burden of like his life is on my hands because he does still oh, seem yeah, to care about Oh, yeah, because now he's concerned him. about his child soldier. Yeah, sending him in with a slingshot against like armed stormtroopers to rescue you. <laughs> He just well, had him training on the slippery canopy of a gun turret. I'm trying to give Kanan the benefit of the doubt here, okay? <laughs> Look, I think Kanan is the one who's walking through Ghost just ripping off the hazard tape. Like, maybe he has a lifelong vendetta against just OSHA. the health and safety yes, administration yes. of whatever. <laughs> so in, inside, now that they're inside the prison, Sabine does find out where they're located. The isolation cell they're expecting to be up ends up being down instead. They have isolation cells on the lower levels. We planned off outdated schematics. Yes, so, where the uh, the presence of stormtroopers is is heaviest. I like that Kanan sort of ex- uh, accepts it. Okay, yep, yeah, the plan is adjusting. We're, we're, we're changing the plan. You're coming with us, which, <laughs> which leads to probably my favorite moment where yes. in <laughs> inside the elevator, Sabine and Zeb are both complaining his plan gets worse all the time. Just hope he doesn't change it again. I'm standing right here. He's like, yes. I'm right here, you know. We, we know. know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of mirroring when Ezra opened the door in uh, in Droids in Distress, and, and they were all very impressed. Ah, did you ever have any doubt? Yes. Yes. Yes, we all did. I, I like that. I like that they're honest. just... They're used to just being sassy together. They're used to just like being the ones to kind of like roll their eyes at what Kanan's doing and what Hera trying to scold them or whatever. And speaking of Hera, we do cut back to inside the Phantom, neatly um, kind of it's Millennium Falcon. up like, yes. belly to front. Um, sort of like, uh, oh, well, another similar looking craft on the rear of a Star Destroyer's bridge unit. In this case, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, except for uh, instead of Boba Fett finding them... Um, Hera sees this uh, uh, this silhouette flying past, and she's worried. Of course, have we been detected? Because they've got a they've, she's got a jamming signal that uh, that Sabine set up. That was initially not very clear to me. It's got this blue and white light that beeps and boops a few times, and finally it resolves in this flying manatee uh, a creature. Hey, you're not a stingray type thing, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I said manatee. I meant manta ray, but yeah. Uh, I thought Minoc at first, but it, it has a much I don't know. It had a much more graceful air to it and a and a very broad snout. Actually, the snout is very manatee-like. Now that I look yeah, at it, it's- the snout is more mani- manta ray like. Now that you said manatee, that's all I want to say. All I want to say is manatee. <laughs> Uh, and she realizes that um, Sabine's jamming signal must be operating on the same frequency that makes these manta rays uh, super horny. It's sending out a mating call. They're 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 flocking right away. It's like presses up against the phantom, and it's like How I you know doing? what this is. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you guy, got... guy at the guy at the club uh, unwanted advances, just like hey, you, you want some of this? Like, no, I'm I'm <laughs> yes. I'm a ship. I'm a, I'm, I'm a boat. I'm in stealth mode. I'm trying to hide here. From I'm made both of, of metal. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> Oh, we can work with it. Sons of, come on, we'll figure something out. Life finds a way. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> so Hera just nopes out of that like anyone does when faced with with the uh, advances like that. <laughs> and uh, Space Pump just flies away and says, I hope you guys don't need me right now. 
yes, I hope you're fine without me. And meanwhile, three flying manta ray frat boys, way zoom after her. <laughs> so back inside, there's two stormtroopers sitting outside the elevator that the rebels have just gone down. The door opens and Cannon just takes him out immediately. He's really good at uh, force pulling two people. Yeah, he likes to do things in uh, in twos. It's like a game where he just unlocked this new power and that's all he uses. Oh, yes, like, the, like, the I just need to play throw. with this now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got chain assassination. Oh, cool. Where are we going to find two at, two at once? That's what I can do. Yeah, they, uh, they're making a larger and larger collection of, in cartoon physics, knocked out stormtroopers that they're piling into the lift, which is for Zeb and Sabine to guard while they continue to make their way, uh, to make their way through. So another door opens and there's two more again and Kane force pulls them and then just clothesline both of them. And Ezra has to like jump out of the way because he's almost hit by it. Yeah, he's getting very careless at this of, point. Lack of situational awareness right there. <laughs> Two more stormtroopers. Oh, yes. There's a. While Zeb is piling his collection of uh, stormtroopers into the lift, the door closes and jams on one of their helmets, which he has to, once again, fondle a stormtrooper's helmet to, to, to get him inside. No. <laughs> no, I don't like saying that. There are two more stormtroopers <laughs> who are commenting on, hey, have you ever seen the, uh, uh, the Jedi Masters? No, that's, uh, that's classified. I have decided that they all sound like Walter Cronkite now because they, I mean, they don't sound like Tamora Morrison. So these must not be clones anymore. Yeah. By that point, it'd be uh, conscripts or volunteers. Which I guess is why it's so easy for Kanan to uh, convince them that they're guarding at the wrong level. Actually, the Jedi Master is on the upper level uh, and away they go. Once again, Ezra asks, when am I going to learn that? And he's kind of on committal, is, uh, is Kanan. Luminara will teach you much better than I could. Going inside, uh, we do see Master Luminara, and she's in a jumpsuit, she's in shackles, and she's, you know, she looks up at them and kind of like stands up. But all is not well. Kanan knows it. We all know it. Like, she's not speaking. Instead of going toward them, instead of trying to escape, she walks over to a pod on the wall and walks yeah, through that, its like, shell. like, wax walks backwards into it, and it very quickly, like, her face in it just ages and um, yep. becomes mummified. Because these are the remains of the, the Jedi Master, which is, I suppose, what uh, Kanan was, uh, was feeling. He sensed a Jedi presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was foggy. It was, it was faint. Yeah. And now we know why. It was the remains of a, of a Jedi. Yeah, uh, because it turns out that it was a, uh, it was just a hologram, it looked like, and instead it was a... Uh, it's a trap! It was a, it's a trap laid by the Inquisitor. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, so now that we've seen him a little bit more, now that you've got a chance to get used to to his fantastic voice, uh, I do just want just because you appreciate this, uh, Grand Inquisitor played by the fantastic Jason Isaacs. It doesn't seem complicated. I am the Inquisitor. <gasps> no way. Yes. Jason Isaacs is my bishi. I shame myself. <laughs> I shame my whole Lero by not having recognized him. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Jason Isaacs, you were you were sublime. I remember hearing him, like, I mean, I grew up with the Harry Potter series, so I'm used to hearing him as Lucius Malfoy. Yes. He was in the, like, 2002, I believe, Peter Pan movie. Like, I'm used to hearing his voice. 
and I don't recognize Same. his voice in here. It is very well hidden. So that's pretty fantastic that he's it, yeah. he's disguised it in this, and he's that's very exciting. He did a pretty compelling uh, American accent when he played uh, Captain Lorca in the first season of uh, Star Trek Discovery. That was Jason Isaac as well. Um, I am. This is not a podcast about a Jason Isaac's filmography. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's not not going to be that from now on. <laughs> now that I know, especially since he plays such a such an iconic role, because this Inquisitor we've seen before in the first episode where we struggled. I mean, now it's much more easy to see. He is definitely Utapawan. Um, oh, for sure. And he knows because he pulls out a lightsaber and he knows how to use it. And not only does he know how to use it, but he's way he better knows at it than. Kanan. He's he's way better than Kanan, and he even is saying, "Oh, I recognize the style. You were trained by Master Depa Bilalaba." Bilalaba, yeah, and, I had it written down as well because he recognizes and, that. Oh, you rely on Form Three to a ridiculous degree, which wow. is another was another thing because there's like eight forms of lightsaber combat, and they all have like different ways. And I know oh, a couple of them. Uh, I know the one that Master Windu does is like called like Vapid, and it, it's dangerous because you have to like channel the dark side in order to do it. It's this whole thing. Um, but just to hear so like cool. that acknowledge and that just like, oh, yes, like that thing is a thing. It exists, but we don't need to really delve deep in it. But just this acknowledgement of just like, hey, that thing that you spent yes. this time absorbing and becoming aware of and like memorizing all stuff like that's real it's like thank you <laughs> oh so okay so what you're talking about is like the thrill that i suppose is 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 something that i don't really get as much as, as you do like you've absorbed the expanded universe now legends throughout your throughout your youth and to see it canonized on screen is uh, sort of like you talked about how excited you got when you saw the Dark Troopers toward the end of the uh, Mandalorian yes, second yes. season. So with the Dark Troopers, they were different and they weren't like the same because they were suits. Not everything in it needs to necessarily still be canon, but like enough is. That's really exciting for me. That's awesome. And I mean, to the credit of this show, I had a fantastic time even without that experience. There was There were some occasions where I sort of had the idea that this was probably a person that was known elsewhere, like the name dropping of uh, Depa Bilaba, possibly that person has appeared before. And certainly, like, I had that feeling with uh, the now deceased uh, Jenna Master Luminara, that she would mm -hmm. have appeared elsewhere as a character, because why waste nostalgia in Star Wars? But it worked just as well uh, being new, being fresh for me. And certainly, like, the presence of this Inquisitor, whom we've seen like twice before, uh, once communicating with Darth Vader in the very beginning, and once when uh, Agent Muddenchops was making his uh, his report to the Inquisitor. But now to see him standing here with his smirk and his glowing yellow eyes and his jodhpurs, this dude makes some fashion choices. And for Star Wars, that's saying something. Certainly they for the men. Are, the men don't they normally are get. Jobbers. They are oh. super jodhpurs. Oh, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. What have you done to me? <laughs> well, no, but jodhpurs are great. They're riding pants. That suggests that he has a mount that makes him even more knight-like. Because, yes, he is just... Like, to call him formidable is to undersell how effortless it is for him to engage in combat with Kanan and how desperate Kanan is in his fights. Um, yeah, even Ezra tries to help with his energy slingshot. That just uh, gets absorbed into the armor and... Yeah, the, the second time he doesn't even bother deflect it. Is that really all you've got, my boy? 
Well, Ezra has something else up his sleeve, because earlier on in The Phantom One, while Zeb was asking, well, we're going to need a miracle to make it through here, Sabine offered three miracles, one of which is... Uh, uh, Five is right out. <laughs> <laughs> grenades, which, you know, every good heist needs a few grenades. Uh, and Ezra has placed on the door, which even points at... Uh, yeah, you, you don't play your cards that quickly um like, yeah you, you don't you don't telegraph your moves if you can avoid it but you know they he hasn't they, learned that yet yeah and they use it as an as a chance to escape because you know door blows open and uh Kanan and ezra do both take out of their running and the inquisitor he's just walking very calmly he's not yeah he's not he's, in a rush he is still in control because here in the elevator uh sabine and zeb realize they can't get a hold of hera and they're they're like it's a trap. We got to go. They, uh, they they take off running. Yep. Sabine realizes that the plan is shot and that they're in danger. We have a very cool, like, menacing pursuit sequence where uh, uh, the Inquisitor's coming after uh, our Jedi, Kanan, and his trainee, holding out his cool, like, lightsaber with the uh, with a sort of circular guard around it. Mm-hmm. I recognize this having played um, uh, a Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, yes. where we have Inquisitors as well. So I recognize that as their weapon. Shows off the second blade, which he can wield. Like, I liked this sort of escalation of force that just constantly reminded uh, reminded us how outmatched Kanan is. Like, the skill that the Inquisitor displays. He even called Kanan a poor student. Clearly, you were a poor student. And now that he is, like, so soundly humiliating Kanan, he actually turns his attention to Ezra. I think initially as a taunt, to Kanan, telling Ezra, once again, assuming that Ezra is his student, which everyone seems to assume whether they've had any indication or not. You know, being as adept as he is with the... That is true, yeah. With the lightsaber, like, he may be able to sense something. Yeah, Ezra's force potential. Talks to him about the, the, the dark side, calls him boy. Ezra has never heard of it, which makes the Inquisitor just chuckle. Like, oh, you're not a very good teacher then, are you? Have you taught him nothing? The stormtroopers enter the lift, where we're worried that Sabine and, uh, and and Zeb might still be. But no, there is a pile of stormtroopers and a grenade. Miracle number two goes off and takes out a further... Oh, it's three stormtroopers that it takes out. Well, that's new, because normally well, I, always two there are. But you'd mentioned, you mentioned before, like, oh, well, cartoon physics, they're just, they're just knocked out. It's like, well, they were writhing on the ground before the explosion went off. So they, they were still alive <laughs> for a little bit. And they're only called concussion grenades. So they, they right? only shoot like a little bit of shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> so Zeb and, Zeb and Sabine are saying, okay, that's one elevator down. And, and Sabine just disabled the other two. Yeah. So and- this heist plan actually holds together very well based on all the information that they've given. So they've just disabled all the elevators. They've locked themselves on the lower level, which is what Ezra originally pointed out as his suggestion for entering. Um, so, uh, just listen to the new guy. Well, I mean, Sabine <laughs> correctly identified that as impossible odds, uh, which it still is, but impossible odds is better than, well, impossible odds. No, never mind. <laughs> At least it's an option that we uh, that we know about. Speaking of options, the Inquisitor shows off even more. The circle around his weapon is complete, and the blades start spinning on their own. Does yours do that? Come on, let's go. That does not seem to me a very effective way to handle a dual-bladed weapon, but... 
So like the first time I saw that was as a toy and it was before before I watched Rebels. Just from that, I saw that and I just thought, that's dumb. Like I just remember, <laughs> okay. like like that's not I, the reaction I, I, I was waiting for. Oh no, no just, but like I just saw that and I was I was so I was I was like nineteen or twenty, so I'd probably say like the height of just that cynicism, cynical like oh yeah, we don't aren't. like oh this is this is so stupid. This is what are they kids. doing? Yeah, it's just like you know, they're like, ruining was, Star Wars. I, Sorry, I, I don't sound neckbeardy enough. I kind of was though. like I saw that and I was like oh it's like that's so like childish. You know, like, like, what's Disney doing? So I saw that and, and like, it put me off for a little bit. And thankfully, my brother uh, refuses to, to hear, like, oh, oh. get around to it. Uh, he, he refuses to, to, he refuses to have me say, oh, I'll get around to it at some point, like, ever. He's just like, oh, you'll get around to it at some point? Cool, cool. I'm not going to stop bothering you until you do. Like, just, <laughs> just to shut you up, just to shut me up, you need to watch this now like that's that's what's happened now like good brother move (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's great i adore it like this the interior of this uh, of this prison the the stygian spire is so recognizably imperial while Mm -hmm. also feeling quite new yeah yeah like like even even something as simple as like the red lights on the walls it just it has a different feeling of like okay it's still grading it's still like the angles and like the weird um shapes but it's like it feels slightly different it's like it's it's just a good it's just a good like nice feeling because all the the star destroyer hallways they tended to be very rectangular and very wide these are much more narrow sort of like the prison uh, levels that we've seen in uh, in a new hope but at the same time also kind of evocative of like sith spaces that we've seen like the emperor's throne room yeah for sure our heroes are not appreciating the architecture as much as we are there uh, they've linked up with uh, with zeb and sabine they're all running from basically the terminator who's walking behind them trying to get some like bulkheads between them they jump through one of those uh, four-sided irises irising uh, bulkheads secure the facility full lockdown the doors just start closing they're jumping through and he's still just breathing very calm until finally he does just take off and it is like robert patrick like full-on like yes, terrifying exactly. sprinting T-1000. Like, yes yep. The most intimidating run I've ever seen. I've never known a run could be intimidating before that The karate that movie. chop run that he does after the car, yeah? <laughs> it's so bizarre. But it's it's kind of scary, though. Like, he it, sells it. It is. And you know what it is? His head is level. Like a predator, yes. like, a, like a cheetah. Yes. He keeps his head completely level. His body is so intense, but his, <laughs> his eyes and the camera are, are level. And so he's got that, yeah, he's like a jaguar. It's It's pretty scary. The Inquisitor's just a really big uh, Terminator 2 fan, and he's just, like, sprinting through there. Yeah, our heroes jump off their moped and through one of those irises. Oh, uh, Zeb holds <laughs> it open for everyone to uh, uh, to climb through. Yes, it's, there's something about Siths and mopeds. Uh, uh, he's, uh, no. he's quite satisfied to shut the, the door on the Inquisitor, but his uh, smug self-satisfaction doesn't last when, hey, the Inquisitor has a lightsaber, which he jams through the door. Uh, evocative of Qui-Gon Jin in... Yeah, and, and almost impales Zeb. Yeah, that was close, Zeb. Like, like I knew it was coming because it's telegraphed, and I still jumped. I'm still just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns yeah, that so. Zeb does not have a lot of experience with lightsabers. Yeah, they're inside uh, the main hangar bay doors where they said they were never going to go. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Sabine is not able to open it. Uh, Says it's Ezra. locked. We need our hacker. Ezra comes in with his vape, and he gets uh, he gets R2'd. I was thinking about the same thing. I'm glad we're, really? I'm ah. glad we're, we're in the same we're on the same wavelength here. Nerd buddies. <laughs> yeah, he gets yeah. zapped by the control, uh, drops his vape, which he doesn't pick up. By the way, I noticed. I did notice. I did notice that. I was like, hmm, hmm. you picked it up off screen, didn't you? I see. I see. No. <laughs> That's that's a useful thing. You don't want to get rid of that. Maybe getting R2'd or electrically zapped destroyed it, and now he is going to have to borrow uh, Zeb's vape from now on. Or maybe it's like a video game where he like something happened to him, and now he just has that unlocked power because oh, yes. him and him and him <laughs> and Kenan together. You know, it's just like picture the locking mechanism in your mind, and they use the force on it. Um, I don't know why I was pointing my hand towards the camera, but whatever. I appreciated um, it. I'm sure our audience could hear it because, yeah, now Kanan, this is the first time that, that, that Kanan, like, trusts Ezra or asks for his help. Together. Seriously? Yes. Picture the locking mechanism in your mind. I think it's a change for both of them because we've seen previously that Ezra learns best through pressure. Ezra like reacts best under pressure to the force because he did like instinctively like tell like Zeb to to move out of the way of the spire right. and the Tie Fighter. Um, but I think even even Kanan's realizing, you know, I need you to do this with me, and, and it, it, it's I need you to do this with me. I need yeah, I need your help. Yeah, instead of like you do this it's kind of yes, symbi- it's kind no. of symbiotic in a way that like master apprentice relationship should be but i also feel like a teacher and a student relationship should be because teaching someone how to do something you teach yourself along the way you yes, you yes, learn absolutely. something better along the way so i think that's like the big dynamic change here there's an interesting like you pointed out that ezra had used the force instinctively using a significant force push against agent mutton chops to save zeb's life but we've also seen kanan do that this episode when the inquisitor slightly a, a little earlier was threatening ezra's life kanan was able to summon quite a significant like force force shove to pin the inquisitor to the roof also doing this traditional star wars no yeah yeah you know froze him in place threw him up against the wall and just like held him there yeah, like it's so a, a little bit earlier you'd mentioned that using the force seems to be taxing on Kanan, and I, I I think it's just using a muscle you haven't used in a while. Like he's not used to it. He's not used to to doing this quite so much because you know you hide it and you kind of suppress it to yeah yeah to not be discovered to exactly. not yeah. So he's getting stronger yeah through, through training yeah yeah. Okay, so. They're standing in front of the gigantic hangar door, which they have to raise. And like the very first second I saw this, it sort of felt like, okay, we need to lift it together, like both get your shoulders under it. But then Kanan says, imagine the locking mechanism in your mind. Ezra is the burglar. Ezra is the lockpick. Mm-hmm. I think like this this now reads to me as Kanan saying, like, I'll do the lifting, you unlock it. Right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, I, well, because that's something that you, Ezra, can do. You can imagine this locking mechanism. I don't know how it works. You have a mental model of it. Mm-hmm. So you do that, and I'll do the lifting. And it works. The door opens, and everyone is safe. That is how the episode ends. They fly off into... Oh, no, wait, hang on. They're facing some stationary TIE fighters and a bunch of stormtroopers. Oops, oops, oops. You know, it's it's only like a fully armed... Uh squadron or whatever oh yeah that's really no big deal it really isn't they're they're able to just 
run forward. Oh, this was a really cool shot. Not before Miracle Number Three ends up just uh, the like the French game where you're like trying to roll a ball. Like it's kind of like yes, like the, yes, literally the ball game. I think it's yes. just called bowls in uh, in I, English. I yeah yeah okay, okay I probably yeah. can't say game of balls on a PG thirteen podcast, but that's the French word jeu de boules. I've seen that porn parody. What of what? Dodgeball? Is Game there a porn version of Game of Thrones? Okay. Uh, I was just making that up, by the way. <laughs> French porn parody of Game of Thrones. All right. Yeah. So, so uh, like Zeb- Greg, just to pull us back from the brink here. So we've talked about how oh, hopefully we'll we'll manage to amass a, a legion of fan artists. <laughs> Who then, like every episode, will give them something cool to do and then see what they can come up with. And now you want to, like, that's the card that you're pulling for, once again, Legion of Fan Artists. What Greg wants you to do is the French porn parody of Game of Thrones that is about jeu de boule, somehow. I don't know if I could cut this now. It's too funny. (laughs) You've, You've whispered it into the genie's lamp. But yes, we get a hero shot that... Okay, no, it's cool. I'll carry okay. the ball from here. B- balls. <laughs> we see them charging out. Kanan's in front with a lightsaber. Ezra's behind with a slingshot. Uh, Sabine's got a... Does she have a blaster? Yeah, she's got a blaster. Yeah, she got two blasters. Oh, two blasters because she's badass. Uh, and Zeb's got his, uh, uh, his bow rifle. It's so cool to see them charging ahead like that. That is so glorious. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> They radio for Hera, whom they've been out of touch with, and uh, a pickup would be good. And Hera says, I'm coming, and I'm bringing the fleet. Yep. Uh, Hera comes in like a cougar with a bunch of uh, drunken college uh, college kids. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Pencils down, everyone. Get back from the brink. We're not doing that. We're not doing Game of Thrones porn parody. We're doing this. We're doing a a flying uh, a, a woman of a certain woman of sexual maturity being pursued by some obedient frat boys. Uh, oh, what do we make of this? Yes, this is going to be like a, like a Valkyrie descending with some oiled up twink. Nope. Nope. Sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'll be in my bunk. I thought of that joke like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I've been holding on to that joke since I've been holding on to that joke like that. Oh, bless for like you. an hour. It was, it was much better used here. Um, yeah, well done. So well done. No, that was good. <laughs> You're so good at this. I appreciate you so much. Okay, so these yeah, these okay. college manatees. <laughs> Stingrays, man rays, man, these man rays. It's not entirely clear to me exactly what they do to contribute to the combat, but uh, it certainly seems to be cool. She takes out the uh, Tie Fighters, uh, uh, blast, blast, blast. The Phantom One is a well-armed craft. Um, yeah, it's 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 punchy. And our heroes jump to safety, and off they fly. Yeah, and uh, <sighs> uh, the Inquisitor like throws his lightsaber, but then just like pulls it back instead, and just kind of. He stares at the ship for a second before just like kind of walking off and next time, gadget. Next time. <laughs> do, 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 do. Inspector Eleven. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, good callback. Callback. <laughs> <laughs> 
the spirits on board the uh, the ghosts are not quite as high as they are here in uh, in Rebel Air Studios. Hera receives the, uh, the terrible news that uh, they were unsuccessful. The person yeah, that they and, came uh, here to rescue was already dead. How's Ezra taking it? Not as bad as I am. And uh, looks like Ezra's stuck with me, says uh, says Kanan, where Ezra sinks into full on like Treasure Planet Jim Hawkins mode. His bangs occlude his eyes entirely. Um, yeah, yeah, he's taking it hard because when they land back on uh, what looks like Lothal again, he's he's sulking and and when Cannon shows up, he's just saying, "I know you wanted to dump me on Luminara. Just because she's gone doesn't mean you're stuck with me." I'm I'm gonna save you the trouble. I'm just gonna leave. And Kanan is finally honest with him in a way that he hasn't so far. And I think he learned that from Ezra, who stood up for him to the Inquisitor earlier on, where the Inquisitor was taunting him uh, after he'd thrown Kanan down. He'd called Kanan a bad student, referring to uh, Depa Bilaba, his teacher. Uh, he told Ezra that your teacher is uh, undisciplined and unfocused. And Ezra said, well, perfect then. That comes together here as well, because Kanan is honest about, like, his insecurity. I want you to have the best teacher. I want you to have a better teacher than me. And Ezra says, Well, I don't want the best teacher. I want you. Which, woof. Okay. Which, like, understand what, like, you misspoke, but uh, the heart is there. And and I think that's, that's something that, like, I really appreciate this, because you have those, like, moments where it's, like, contrived conflict by them not really talking by them yes. just not communicating. And here, Kanan says something, Zeb kind of planted a seed of doubt, and just kind Correct. of carried, and just kind of carried. And they didn't have time to communicate to about it. it. Yeah, It's just nice to see that, you know, they could, like, come to that ground just solving a conflict by talking like normal right. human beings. Like, that's really just nice to see sometimes. It really yes. is. Oh, God, yes. Certainly, like, in, in Western fiction, like, uh, especially male characters expressing yes. their emotions toward each yes. other. Like you said, like so much contrived drama comes from characters being unable to express their emotions at each other. But I think there's an, there's another aspect to it here, which is, so I tweaked this as, a, as an episode about Kanan. So I was actually able to largely, I won't say ignore, but I wasn't distracted by, by Ezra's journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was really, really focused on, on Kanan's journey. And Kanan learned a lot of lessons from Ezra. Uh, that Ezra didn't realize he was teaching. Because it starts off with Kanan admitting he didn't understand what uh, uh, Yoda meant with do or do not, there is no try. And he has seen Ezra doing things, even, even the things that he didn't want Ezra to do, jumping onto the platform after him, emulating him. That was Ezra just almost like an animal, doing the thing that, that seemed like he needed to do in that moment. He wasn't overthinking it, um, mm -hmm. and he wasn't considering what would happen if he failed. And that's what uh, what Kanan has been doing. Kanan has been worried about the potential of failure, of being a, as bad a teacher for, for Ezra as he was a student. He's been inside his own head for what's going to happen if I fail. And therefore, yeah. he wasn't doing it. That's what he says Yoda meant. I've been trying to teach you. And so then what does he say? If all I do is try, that means I don't truly believe I can succeed. And maybe I'll fail. You can only fail. Yeah, well, and and I've talked about the prequels before, so let me talk about uh, the Last Jedi and really just uh, crank those flames here, um, because oh, yeah. because <laughs> there's two things that Yoda says here that like in in the Last Jedi that I think about here, which one is uh, we are what they grow beyond, yes, um, which I really I think is like the you know I don't want you to be like me, I want you to be better uh, yes. kind of mentality that Kanan was having, but also the 
the greatest teacher failure is. And and I think that really rings true here because, you know, they failed in this mission, but they they learned a lot. Yeah. Like through it here. I think and, this and- is going to come up in our podcast a lot because I'm on the same wavelength. Like by the time that I saw The Last Jedi, I reached kind of that, that point of realization in as much as I've been a, a teacher or a guide, but just the realization that true mastery of a skill is measured in the ability to teach someone to be better at it than you are. Mm-hmm. And to like to not hold them back, because we are what they grow beyond. Like if you do your job as a teacher well, you teach them in in a much shorter time what took you much longer to learn, and so they have more life and more curiosity left to learn even more. And hopefully they'll they'll teach the next generation even even better. Yeah, and not just kind of like I had to suffer through this. Like so, you need to suffer through this. And it's like yes, yes, I am what you have good. to aspire to, and I will always be a step ahead of you and you will always be a step behind. No, that's not how time works. That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um we end the episode on this like father and son playing catch yeah. kind of a moment. Like it's very evocative of that. I mentioned that earlier on that I was going to come back to it because now he's uh, he's given his lightsaber back to uh, back to Ezra. It's baseball. Mm-hmm. It's they're they're or they're playing catch. And it's such a like it's a wide shot. You have the ghost, you have them two standing on the plains of Lothal and they're playing catch like, yes, this is the father-son bonding role. Or surrogate father, I should say. I mean, even in, yeah. in, in cinema, playing catch is often for substitute fathers. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, older brothers, caretakers, because it's so evocative of something that American fathers and sons traditionally do. You know, that, yeah, that imagery. Yeah. But you actually don't see that image between father and sons very often in American cinema. You see the substitute father figure just as Canaan is to, uh, to Ezra now. Yeah, yeah. It's really just a nice way to, to, to end the episode of kind of showing the deepening connection that, that Ezra's having. And it's nice to see that we're, we don't have to wait like episodes and episodes and episodes to see any growth, to see any change, because especially, especially like yeah. at that age and like at that, like where he is it just in his life, not even just the age, he just wants to learn. He is eager to to grow and to just be more than than what he's been. Uh, I mean, because he is like, space Aladdin, and there is so much more to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a diamond in the rough. I think space Aladdin is even. It's an inadequate metaphor, and yeah. I think, like in certainly in this episode, he's much more Jim Hawkins. Yeah. Oh, you definitely. He's got a lot of different, like very prototypical adventure heroes, kind of. Yeah, amalgamized in him in different ways, where he has different aspects, and so so you get to kind of ex- explore these different parts in, in some really interesting ways, and, and how that uh, plays a role in his relationships with the rebels. Yes, I think that's why I, I think Jim Hawkins is possibly a better metaphor for Ezra than uh, than Aladdin, because Aladdin is is very much about like unlocking your own potential and growing into manhood or ascending there, right? Uh, growing into independence, uh, exercising independent power. Whereas Treasure Island is mm-hmm. about the the desire for some form of family unit, which is something that we yearn for. As you say, he wants to learn. He wants to be. He wants to be taught. He wants this this environment that can nurture him in ways that he still needs to be nourished. Yeah, and it really touches me that this is what the show appears to be about: the yeah. building of those relationships. It's not just a a hero's journey where he gains some allies along the way. He is fulfilling these emotional needs, these, these relationships that he's desperate for, that he's building, that they're constructing together. It's amazing, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because 
it's found family, which you, uh, you and I both like very much appreciate uh, oh, yeah. and have just a very deep uh, affinity for. But, but like, it's okay. He found their family. Now, what does that look like? Like seeing a show that really examines those same kind of dynamic. But like, this is episode five. They're still setting up these core relationships. First, it was with uh, the ghost crew entirely and getting Zebra on Ezra on board. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, now I've said it. I've, I've willed it into existence. Um, it was the relationship between uh, uh, Zeb and Ezra, discovering each other's boundaries and, and, and learning respect. Now it is with uh, with Kanan. Like, the fact that so much time is being invested so early on in a series to develop these relationships and to lay the groundwork for whatever comes next, mm-hmm. it gives me, uh, like, I'm immensely curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll be finding out what happens next uh, when we get into the into the next episode. Can't wait. Okay, Kaki. So, yes. have another episode. So, uh, who do you want to see a anthology movie yes. about? Spin-off. Okay, well, this one's this one's tricky because the only new characters we've seen are the Inquisitor, played by Jason Isaac. I don't want a spin-off. I want to see more of him in here, and I think I'm going to get it. And the rest are all kind of nondescript stormtroopers. Uh, and and we don't really have another option. So I want to... Okay, I'll tell you what I want. What I want is a, a, a parallel story that takes place at the exact same time, exact same time frame, but tells the story of what the fuck is Chopper up to on the ghost? What is he doing? Because he must be experiencing some bizarre adventure. The ghost is attacked by Minox, or the horny college uh, uh, manta rays have uh, uh, have flocked up there. Maybe he's, uh, maybe the manta ray queen is up there trying to mate with the ghost. Who knows? That's the stuff that I want to see, which obviously all gets solved. But yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Chopper's adventure during uh, episode one hundred and five, Rise of the Old Masters. That's what I want. All right, all right. Well, I mean, the my question to you is equally as uh, as challenging or obvious. Like, which yeah. costume are you crazy about? You got two options, bub. Actually, three. I think uh, I think just for pure comedy, because you know, no one ever had us at a convention and uh, sure to attract uh, some some attention. I want to be the uh, manta ray. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to cosplay the manta ray. <laughs> I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll just follow any hair I see around. And... <laughs> oh gosh, do you work I out? I do not, I do not, con- I do not condone this behavior at conventions. Please do not harass women. <laughs> well, obviously not. But there, <laughs> hey, I'm sure that there is an archetype of the good-natured, helpful himbo, just, just who is entirely oh. like, welcoming and supportive <laughs> of whoever holds into view, which is entirely different from, like, imposing on someone's personal space. I'm still just distracted by you calling the manta rays himbos because it's it, it fits. Doesn't it? So maybe Hera was wrong. Maybe it wasn't the, the, the mating call, but maybe the beeps and boops was, I don't know, hey, do you want to get fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> Tune into our next episode, Breaking Ranks. Ooh, where Ezra infiltrates the Empire's Academy. Academy? No way! Uh, and obtains vital information. We're going to the Imperial Academy in episode six. I didn't bring my pencil. What? It's an academy. I didn't bring my pencil. Oh, for flip's sake. <laughs> you can find <laughs> us at rebelair.com or rebelairpod on Twitter. That's air with an H. I have been Kaki. 
I I'm still Greg. We still don't have. Keep an eye out for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've got it. Okay. I'm standing right here. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we can do that one. We can do that one. We'll, let's do the take. Pause the music. Pause the music. I'm Kaki. I'm Greg. I'm standing right here. We know. <laughs> <laughs> See, it kind of works.